0: (laughs) But I did it for you. (laughs) My love. (laughs) So thoughtful. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everyone beyond the binary, welcome to the Cheeky Podcast. Uh, Today's episode, we are going to do a... Little summary on what Buffon is. And from what we've decided, it doesn't really fit into the Types of Clowns series, so we're not calling it Types of Clowns,
1: <laughs> but we will discuss yes. that more later on. Yeah. For those of you who are just starting to listen to us, we recommend going and listening to some previous episodes, because this one's going to be a little bit complex. Um, I'm Tom. And this is Ian. Hello. And we are two clowns who graduated from NICA, which is a circus school in Australia, in Melbourne. Um, And we created this podcast to share our love of clowning with all of you people.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Do you have any, before we start, do you have any opening statements you want to say?
1: I think I'm all good. I have one. What is it?
0: And that is that. Clownopedia was absolutely useless when it comes to buffonery. Well, it's true. The the it pretty much just like didn't say anything about the characteristics or like what buffoning no. actually is. I think it literally yeah. only said the one fact that nearly all websites say is that buffonery is like comes from the Latin word buffet which means to like puff your cheeks up, and they all say that and none of them say like what it actually is and what it represents yeah totally
1: and i was like wow clownopedia what are you doing what are you doing so something that i found quite fascinating is that there's kind of like three strains of thought of modern Buffon, and i wouldn't be able to say exactly what like the difference between each of them is um because I haven't done any workshops in any of them, but like the three big teachers are Goliere, which is a classic Lecoq, which is also a classic and Giovanni Fusetti, who is uh, quite famous in the clowning world as well as the Buffon world. Oh, right. So I think they have like three sort of modes of thought about how Buffon should kind of operate. And it's really interesting in how that came about.
0: Yeah, right. A lot of the a lot of the sources that I found always had the same Lecoq quote. Yeah. So it was definitely, and I did write that down as well. So I'll read that out. And it was kind of like, yeah, every, nearly all the major sources had this quote about Buffonary. So I guess you found that there was also other two other key people who were. Hmm. important or do you do you mean like they had different styles of teaching it or they all had like they were all critical in like building it
1: all three of them had to do with building it and also had to do with have different methods of teaching it
0: yeah right well i'll read out the lecoq quote about buffonery the difference between clown and the bouffon is that while the clown is alone, the bouffon is a part of a gang. While we make fun of a, the clown, the bouffon makes fun of us. At the heart of the bouffon is mockery pushed to the point of parody. And it goes on. Mm. I thought that was like some of the most important bits.
1: It's really interesting. There's this great qu- quote by this quite famous buffon called Red Bastard. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, he said that his character ended up feeling like it was a part of the collective unconscious, which is quite cool way of describing it.
0: Right. Collective unconscious. Um, Yeah. Uh, The, um, I got to see Red Bastard in Adelaide, uh, in 2017, I think. And yeah, it was really cool and I didn't quite understand now having researched a little bit about it it makes the performance make more sense or like yeah. or not, well the show made sense of course but now I understand like the overall piece more like what the piece is aiming at and how that fits into mm. uh, buffonery. and I was like ah okay uh-huh. for, ex- <laughs> for example a lot of the things um, he was asking was like oh how would you behave in this Uh, environment and uh, how would you Mm. behave in this environment if no one was watching you know and how would you behave if nobody knew you know that this was going to happen and that's kind of going into like making you like self reflect and like think about Mm. your behaviors and that kind of thing
1: so for everyone who doesn't know Buffon is as Ian mentioned before Buffon is the person who makes fun of the audience um and they, they are often mocking the audience and making the audience laugh at them. But then I don't know how to describe it. It's like they're trying to make the audience complicit in, uh, whatever the Buffon is doing. And often the Buffon tries to look for, uh, things that are like sensitive. They love hot spots. So like racism, sexual assault, like all of those really big hot topics. Taboo. Like the Buffon loves to, yeah, they they love to tackle them because, um, and like make the audience laugh at them, and then in doing so, like reflect later on and be like, "Oh, that was weird that I laughed at that," or that's something that I do unconsciously. Not maybe not to that extent, but nonetheless.
0: Yeah, the um, there were some interesting things that said, "Uh, the outcast like can say like the buffon can say the unsayable." And mock, uh, you know, taboo topics that resonate with like the lowest common denominator of comedy. Mm. So it's like, Mm. you know, the, the the real, real black humor, the things that like, you know, shouldn't really be funny, but you know, like low hanging fruit kind of, kind of humor, Mm. which you, yeah. Which you just said with the, the, um, taboo sort of topics and, uh, the Buffon kind of character, the, it sort of comes from the idea that the Buffon is like a grotesque outcast, you know? Uh Someone that has like no regard for hierarchy or for social norms, and they just make fun of anyone and anything.
1: Hmm. That's there's a really interesting story behind that, actually, the like the the story, the myth of how Buffon came to be is like um, there were these anyone who was an outcast, like literally got outcast into the city. So if they were ugly or if they were like mad people or if they were deformed in some way or had a disability or whatever, they were outcast from the city and forced to live in the swampland. And so then there was the beautiful people and then the outcasts. But once a year, people got everyone got to come into the city, including the outcasts. And they they came into the city, and then it was a day of celebration. So they would come into the city, and they would celebrate with everyone, and they would make people laugh, and they would also make people look at themselves and be like, "Oh, that's I do that." And so that that's kind of how Buffon came. But they had to make people laugh. They couldn't just. Like parody the pe the beautiful people, because then the beautiful people would kill them. So they had to make sure that the beautiful people lo- loved them so much, but was still able to see that sense of satire, which is quite cool. And it's kind of slum, somewhat based in history. Whoa. There's this day, like between 1100 and 1500, I think, um, AD, where there was a day of a day of the year called the Feast of the Fools, and it was like mm-hmm. once a day where every like all hierarchies were trashed and the social norms were trashed, and you could do whatever you wanted.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And so that's it might kind of be based around those events.
0: Cool. Yeah, I read the same things. Like it was like kind of from medieval times, and then let Mm. the outcasts back into the city. And it was kind of like Mm. to reaffirm that you're normal and they're not normal, but then you had to kind of still interact in a way. Yeah.
1: yeah, To make the beautiful people seem more beautiful.
0: (laughs) And that sort of fits into that quote Lecoq said that like the Buffon is like part of a gang, you know, there's like a, you can imagine that, Mm. If even if you're a solo performer, you can imagine that you have the confidence of being one of ten, you know, and you're happy mm. to like be gross and weird and confident because you got your little squad, and you're not gonna, mm. no one can really say anything. There was one other interesting quote that I found that said the aim of the clown is to make us laugh, and the aim of the buffon is to disturb, Um which can still be released as laughter, really. And, uh, but there's still mm. more to it than that. You know, it's more of the mm. social side, like the kind of the reflection side of it, you know, like, yeah, why am I laughing at this disturbing things or, you know,
1: where can I see myself in this disturbing stuff? Mm. There's this great quote from Goliere and he teaches Buffon as well as Clown. And he says the Buffon is to make the beautiful people laugh, like to make them laugh is the weapon their aim is to kill by as- asphyxiation in the laughter or by turning the joke so that they see themselves in the mirror of reflection. They are so horrified that they die of a heart attack. <laughs> 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 aye, aye, aye.
0: Grim. Yeah, it's
1: really cool.
0: It's funny because, um, do you remember that quote? I don't know if you've heard, you, you've probably heard the quote about art, about good art. And that it is a uh, good art, good art comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comforted. Ah. Uh, or disturbs the comfortable. And, uh. Yeah, right. So buffonery is a kind of art that disturbs the comfortable. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that fits. It fits!
1: <laughs> That's quite cool. I like that. Oh, uh, another thing, just another way of explaining what a buffon, like, is and how they, like, create that implicit nature in the audience is like they see how far the audience will go (laughs) with the jokes and like an audience laughing at a joke um implies the complicity with it so like they are complying with the joke the fact that they comply with the joke that offends by laughing um, is essentially as bad as saying the joke in the beginning so it's Uh... like you're laughing at me but Because you're laughing, you can see the predicament and you agree with me.
0: Right. That's clever, hey. So, it's like, well, Mm. the joke, because you're laughing, the joke's alright, even if it's really offensive. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When we say that the buffones are, like, performing as outcasts or, like, um, grotesque rejects, like, Mm. they do dress up to look really strange and a uh, particular kind of key features you'll see is like real big lumpy costumes you know with bulges coming out you know of the stomach or of the ass um kind of like maybe weird moles or something on their <laughs> on their face like they are mm-hmm. they do dress to look very strange and um mm we can include some examples in our description of some photos uh, of what they look like. Mm. And uh, there was one interesting thing that talked about their appearance. And, uh, and that was you can forgive someone acting badly if they look gross to begin with. Or you can like let it slide a little bit. Like, behaving... Mm, That's
1: interesting.
0: Behaving outside of... You know, behaving badly if they look, you know, a bit like a weirdo. You kind of let it it slide a little bit more. Mm. For example, if you see someone crazy down the street, they're probably going to look like crap.
1: There's... Yeah. And, like, when we say grotesque, we mean, like, super, super exaggerated. So, they'll have, like, a huge hump on their back. Or, like, if they're exaggerating their bum, it'll be, like, enormous, like or like the stomach is huge, like way bigger than anyone could actually create, like actually be.
0: Yeah. Way beyond, way beyond what's actually possible.
1: Yeah. So the modern Buffon in quotes kind of, uh, came from, uh, Jacques Lecoq, uh, who was experimenting with a whole bunch of different things. He was experimenting with comedia de latte, farce, like all these different types of comedy, satire, parody, um, and he was experimenting, experimenting, and Goliere, uh, in the beginning helped experimenting with him, um, in like the first decade. And then he left, and so he has a diff, he has a, a version of Buffon, um, where, like the early stage of when they were experimenting, and I'm sure he's refined it and whatnot. And then Lecoq kept experimenting and experimenting. Um, and, uh, Giovanni Fusetti kind of came in kind of in the later half and he, uh, he helped kind of experiment with and like got taught how to teach it and all of that. And, um, in 1999, Jacques Lecoq died. Um, and so I think that's kind of about when Giovanni Fusetti left the Lecoq school, and stopped teaching there. Um, and so then Lecoq has this version of Buffon. And I think uh, a, that a part of that version is it's quite a little bit more solo. It's like not so much in a group. So like you learn how to do Buffon by yourself. And then Giovanni Fusetti carried on and he, um, he experimented more and more and more. And he came, he came to find that Buffon is quite like really goes into the roots of satire and how like, Mm. uh, a satire, like the sat, the satyrs, like S-A-T-Y-R. And like in Greek mythology, they're like, um, these, uh, goats, goat, like, Uh, like the devil kind of look and they always went around in threes. And so he found that the buffon works best in like triplets and they would often like Uh. have this rhythm, this chant and would go, uh, and like explore through that kind of method and they would copy each other and copy the audience and like try and create, uh, the implicit nature through that, which was really interesting so those well, are kind of like the big three in my mind um i'm sure i'm sure there's plenty of others who many many others who teach buffon but like those are the like kind of where it came from so gollier
0: giovanni Vassetti, and lecoq
1: yeah and the the, the community de latte kind of part of that was there's this character in it called pulcinella um who's a stock character who's deformed and um kind of can get away with everything, is always on the right side, but will choose afterwards, after the si- which side is one, and they will be like, ah, oh, I was on your side all along. And <laughs> a great little quote I found is that Pulcinella is everyone's savior, but no one can save him. Right. Yeah. So that's also kind of where it came from.
0: And Pulcinella, was he kind of like a, I have to look it up myself, was he like a kind of... Like an insulting, grotesque character? Like, he was
1: he more, like, sneaky? He was very sneaky. So, like, that, because it was created from two characters, it could, like, go either way. Um, so he was either, like, quite a sneaky, thief kind of character, or, uh, and, like, both of these versions are grotesque, or, like, a character that is quite uh, good at getting what he wants, um, and Getting like helping other people get that what they want and that sort of thing, and I think it was partly because of that grotesque nature. Like you could kind of do whatever you want.
0: So for our audience, when we say stock characters, we mean the best example I can give is that every single episode of The Simpsons is always going to have mostly Homer Simpson, Marge Simpson, Bart mm. Simpson, and Lisa Simpson. And what commedia dell'arte is is it's a theatre style that. All performers will put on a mask and become these stock, standard, same mm. characters uh, each, each time. Mm. So the Puccinella character—he is a stock character that is often used in Commedia dell'arte. Uh, that's what we mean by stock, mm. stock nice. characters. So there is a there is a show on Netflix called Nate. Uh, done by Natalie Palmitis, and I got to see her live show in Melbourne called Laid, and it was hilarious. And I now understand, having researched buffonery, that Nate has a lot of elements of buffon in it. And I was trying to categorize it, watching, and I'm like, wow, this isn't exactly clowning. Like, it's a bit of clowning, Mm. but also kind of there's talking involved, and there's like kind of really like not PC stuff, Mm. now it's like ah it's because it's buffonery you know it's Mm. supposed to be it's supposed to be this confronting style of comedy that makes you think and um the character is very grotesque you know She's she's got this very stretchy scrotum (laughs) it's like really weird (laughs) and now it's like ah okay it's buffonery that's what it is um you know it's Mm. to make you think about all these behaviors that we have in society and And in particular with Nate, it's between men and women and consent. Yeah, I'm like, ah, okay, it's buffonery. So shout out to Nerdly Palamadis and Nate on Netflix.
1: Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this episode on Buffon. And what is Buffon? Uh, Now, hopefully you know a little bit more. If you're curious, we will have heaps of our sources in the description um, and all of that business. If you want to have a look at more of what we do, you can check it out on www.cheekyproductions.org, not .com. I always get that one wrong. If you would like to contact us, you can contact us through our Facebook, uh, Cheeky Podcast. Uh, and yeah, we hope you enjoy this episode. Please leave us a rate- review. Yeah. Leave us a review, tell us what you liked, Um, rate us five stars on whatever platform you have, please. It's excellent for the algorithm. Excellent. All right, I think it might be time for a joke of the day. Two cannibals are chewing a clown. One says to the other, hey, does it say it's kind of funny to you?
0: I like that one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Classic. Alrighty, Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time on the Cheeky Podcast. Woo! Bye! Bye!